Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today. And today we're joined by Dwayne, known as some as Skip Fairweather. Skip, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Well, thank you for joining us today, Skip. And Skip's here today to share his testimony with us. Skip, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Okay. Well, I was born in St. Cloud, Minnesota in 1946 and lived the first 11, 12 years of my life in North Dakota. My dad was a baker, and North Dakota was a good place for a kid to grow up. Mm-hmm. Sounds cold. <laughs> it's cold. Dad didn't like that. Yeah. He had to plug his car in every night, but anyway, that's where I spent most of my childhood days and enjoyed it very much. And we decided to move, and we moved to New Mexico for one year. Uh, Dad's family was from North Dakota, and my mother's family is here in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And I have uh, two brothers and two sisters. So there's five of us kids, Mom and Dad. And we jumped in a 54 Plymouth Mm -hmm. car with a U-Haul trailer with everything we owned and drove to New Mexico. My mother had a brother that had an Army-Navy store down there, and mm-hmm. we moved down there for a year, and then we came back out east. And I've been in Virginia ever since. I went to a school, Broadway High School, and I married my wife, Sarah. We've been married 45 years, mm-hmm. and she's from West Virginia. She's a West Virginia girl. The night she graduated from high school... She left West Virginia and came to Harrisburg, <laughs> and she got a job at the Harrisburg Police Department as a dispatcher. Well, I was employed. I was a police officer, and I went to work there in 1970, and we both worked a lot of times the same shift. Mm. I retired after 26 years, and my wife retired after 39. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting that you went from such a cold place to such a warm place, and then you ended up back in the middle. That's right. So in that travel, where was it that you first entered into church? Was that something a part of your family? Was a part of the family? Church was a part of the family, and I attended church my entire life. Okay. It was a Methodist church, Mm -hmm. and... If the doors were open, I was there. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't the type of church that Harrisburg First Church is. Yeah. It didn't all about relationship with those churches. Yeah. And I started to attend this church 19 years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's been a few years. Yeah. It's been a few years, and I, I remember yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, though, you went to those churches like you entered into the church and because it was expected of you, did you want to be there? Did you feel a pull to be there on Sunday mornings because you loved Jesus, or was you there because you were expected to be there? Well, we were expected to be there as younger people, and I'm sure there was a time, I don't have a good recollection of that mm-hmm. time, where I stayed away from the church for yeah. some time. But then when I went back, I was there every Sunday. Because you wanted to be there. Because I wanted to. I don't know that it was because of Jesus or 
it's what I did. Yeah, but it was something, routine. it was a foundation. It was a foundation. Yeah, you had had a foundation of faith, although maybe you didn't embrace it fully, 100%, um, and maybe even know why, but you knew that it was a place you needed to be. That is true. Yeah. And then, I guess, 19 years ago, I started coming to Pastor Carey's Bible Studies mm. and oh. fell in love with this place, yeah. and I've attended it ever since. Yeah. So and what was that like when you came here and you started hearing some about um, relationship? That was different from what you had been hearing. It was all new to me. And I remember here at the church, people were praying for people all the time. And I, I think back to the days I was in the other churches. If I was going to have surgery, a pastor would come by the house and pray for me. Mm. But he's the only one mm. to my knowledge has ever prayed for mm. me. I never had anybody from the church mm. come up and yeah. offer a prayer to me. I, I never offered to pray for anybody else yeah. either. But uh, it, it's been quite a growing experience since I've been here. Mm. And it's been a real blessing and it's really has changed my life. Yeah. Yeah, relationship makes all the difference in the world when we can engage in each other's lives and bear one another's burdens. It's not a come in and um, be our best and not let anybody know what's going on, but being transparent and just asking um, can be really freeing. I don't know a lot about your story. I know that you cared for your mom. You were a caregiver, right? Well, I guess in 2004, mom and dad were both elderly mm -hmm. and they couldn't be left alone anymore and I'm the one that lives closest to them. Mm -hmm. Now my two sisters would come over every once in a while and straighten up the house and so forth yeah. but it got to be too much for them to come mm -hmm. over every day and one day I told my older sister I said well don't worry about it I'll take care of it. Wow. And I had no idea why I said that but once I said that yes, I did that. So for the next 11 years, I was pretty much their sole caretakers. Mm -hmm. uh, my siblings would bring the evening meal over, which was a big help to mm -hmm. me. But the rest of the time, since I lived so close, I, my main concern was to uh, keep them comfortable. Mm -hmm. And they mm -hmm. did. I mean, Dad died when he was 89, and Mom lived to be 96. They were both bedridden at the end. Right. Mom hadn't even been out of her bed for seven years. Mm. And uh, we were able to keep them comfortable. It says a lot about your perseverance and, mm -hmm. you know, your word. You said, hey, I'm going to do this. And it's not easy. That's not an easy task. I mean, our mom was, you know, we had for about 10 months where she needed care really regular and um, the person closest to the house usually does get tasked, which is my older brother, and I appreciate him so much for just being willing to be there, you know, but it takes everybody stepping in. But I just that's one thing that I do know about you is that you were a caregiver and you took that serious, and your word was, I've got this, and you did it. So that is um, certainly a true picture of honoring your parents. I've always had a servant's heart. Mm. I started down by joining the Harrisburg Fire Department when I was 
in the Harrisburg Rescue Squad, and that was in the late 60s, I guess. And then I joined the police department in 1970, mm. and I've just always had a servant's heart. Yeah. And I was able to help people, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed that. Yeah. And it's just as part of who I am, I guess. Yeah, it's how God made you. So this is just kind of one of those questions that is specific to what you did for a job and being um, in the police department. Do you have, like, one of those moments that was a high-watermark moment in your career of where you made a difference, something that just comes to mind? Well, I was an investigator most of the time, and I was acting chief for a year. Okay. But my high-water mark actually comes after I retired. Okay. And after I retired, I stayed for another 10 years working part-time on the computers and so forth in the police department. And after the 10 years is the time that I had to start taking care of my parents. Mm. And I learned at that time, I mean, I knew God answers prayers. And in fact, I'll go back to one situation where even before I retired, I used to get a cyst on my tailbone mm-hmm. once a year and they are so sore. And I'd go to a doctor and they'd either burst or they'd cut them open mm-hmm. or whatever. And my wife said, well, let's pray about it. And we did. And probably within a half hour or so, that burst has never come back. Wow. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I look at that sort of as a miracle. Yeah. And very appreciative of yeah. that. <laughs> but even while I was taking care of my mother and dad, you know, I would, most of the time I could sleep in my bed. I would leave down there at midnight or whatever after mm-hmm. we had our ice cream social. Mm-hmm. Every night we had ice cream social. Mm. And then they would go to sleep, and I'd go up, and I'd go to sleep. But I used to go up there and worry. Mm-hmm. Now, my house overlooks their house. I've got a big bay window. And when it's storming or whatever, I can see down there. And I always used to worry about, well, are those big trees going to fall on the house? Mm-hmm. Or is the furnace quit working? And I, and I used to go down after I left there once and uh, check to make sure the furnace worked. But every night before I left down there, I would stop as I went out the door and I would pray, Lord, watch over them and take mm-hmm. care of them. Wow. And he always did. Right. But one night in particular, it was storming. And I was standing up there getting ready to go to bed, looking out the window. And I said, you know, I'll go down and check them one more time. And just as plain as day, it's like a voice said to me, now you just asked me, to watch over them <laughs> and take care of them. You want me to do it or do you want to do it? <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, I'll say there wasn't a voice, but that's what came into my mind. Mm. And I never went back there again afterwards after mm. that. God loves our loved ones more than we could ever mm. love them. And he is our protector. He is. Wow. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. That gives me hope. Um, when I'm worrying and hanging on to things. Yeah. We hand it over, but sometimes we like to take it back. Well, uh, Mr. Skip, as uh, you were telling that story, uh, I was thinking about something Pastor Margaret always says. God doesn't have grandchildren. We're all his children. And so certainly he does love 
those in our lives, our loved ones, our friends more than we love them, and he cares about them and is going to take care of them. And so uh, thank you for sharing that, and uh, just thank you for your servant's heart, uh, being willing to you know, answer the call to serve others that God has given you, whether that be your family members, your parents, uh, just, you know, and working for the Harrisonburg Police Department all those years and serving the city of Harrisonburg. And uh, just, uh, is there maybe, what do you feel like, maybe it's servanthood, but what would you feel like is your greatest purpose in life that God has given you? And it doesn't just have to be in the past, but maybe it's even today. Well, it's sort of something that I have grown into uh, in 1918. Uh, I had developed a couple hernias while I was taking care of my parents, and mm-hmm. I couldn't get them fixed. Because mm-hmm. if I did, then I couldn't take mm-hmm. care of them. Right. And I'd had uh, five hernias mm-hmm. before fixed, and I'd tell myself, well, what's the use of fixing them again? Yeah. Anyway, after they passed, and in the beginning of... 2018, I had three hernias fixed. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Yeah, it was prostate cancer. And I had uh, made up my mind. And when I went in to see the doctor where he was going to tell us that I had cancer, when he opened the door and stuck his head in there, I knew I had cancer. Mm-hmm. And I knew he didn't want to tell me. Well, he sat down about where you are. Mm and was talking to me, but looking at my wife behind me. So I'd have to turn around and obviously she was upset. But I'll have to say that did not bother me from day one because I knew how I was gonna handle it if I did. And people look at me like I'm crazy when I tell them that that has been the highlight of my life. Mm And the day I walked in for my first treatment at the cancer center, I just stood there a minute and looked around at all these people taking chemo and taking radiation. And I said to myself, you know, I just don't have any problems. Right. And I didn't. And everybody that I would engage in with conversation, you know, they say, well, what do you got? Or I'd ask them, what do you got? I would always tell them that, Regards how this turns out, it's a win-win situation for yeah, me. Yeah. And uh, most people would talk to you about it. And there's a whole lot they won't. Mm-hmm. They can't probably. Right. And they have no hope. Yeah. But, uh, and I have to say, I was never sick one day from right. my cancer. But I learned, I met a lot of good people, a lot of friends. And if their spouse was there, when they went back to get treatment, I would stay there Mm. and sit with them while they were taking their treatment just to Mm -hmm. keep them company and try to Mm -hmm. give them hope. And I have a lot of friends that I still communicate with regularly Mm -hmm. that have been through that. And I've I've lost some friends to cancer while Mm -hmm. I was out there. Yeah. And that's always hard, but, and I have friends right now. Uh, my good friend, he just found out his wife has terminal mm-hmm. cancer. And it's difficult dealing with that. And yeah. He's having a tough time. But anyway, I just uh, try to spread hope to mm-hmm. those people if they will talk to me. I don't push myself on them at all. You know, I'll bring it up or mention it to them. Mm-hmm. 
You know, another thing I did, Pastor Kerry gave me a bag of those little red crosses. Mm -hmm. And when I'd go in there for my treatment every day, and if they wouldn't, you know, some people won't even look at you, period. Mm -hmm. You know, won't acknowledge you. And I'd take one of those little red crosses down, and sit on the seat and slide out here, take that back with you. Mm -hmm. And then they would all take it. Yeah. But that was a, uh, I had to take treatment five days a week, and then not on Saturdays and Sundays. Mm -hmm. And those were my lowest days of the week was Saturday and Sunday because I couldn't go in there and see my friends and get my treatment. And You're a people person, aren't you, too? Well, not really. No? No, and I'm an introvert. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But God's using... But God, God, even since that time, there's people that I've run across and they don't have to have cancer that I'll meet or have met before and didn't have a clue who they were. But they draw me to them. Mm. And uh, that's been a real blessing. And I sort of feel like I am being called to approach these people. Mm -hmm. To give an example, I was at the uh, Chinese restaurant one day waiting for some of the retirees to come. We, we go once a month and mm -hmm. have lunch. And after I took care of mom and dad, my legs sort of, I lost control of my legs. Or shouldn't say lost control of them, but they started going downhill mm -hmm. and not using them very well. But I saw the door to the restaurant open, and I saw this woman holding the door, and I saw a guy back out that one step. And I can relate to that because my leg problems. Mm -hmm. But my heart just went out to that guy, and I said, you know, 15 years ago I went to a yard sale in Shenandoah County. And it looked like that guy that had that yard sale. And I really, I saw him one time at a restaurant someplace, and he approached me and asked me, well, do we know each other? And I said, I might have been to a yard sale at your house. Anyway, I didn't see his face that day, but it just got my heart the way he was. I know he was mm -hmm. in pain trying to back out that door. And he got in his car and started to back out. I still hadn't seen his face. And the cars nowadays... It's hard to see through the glass. Mm -hmm. And as he turned and drove by me, I saw a hand go up in the glass like that. And I told my wife, I said, I gotta find that guy. And the next morning I did. <laughs> and I went down to Shenandoah County. I got lost a couple times, <laughs> got up in the mountains, but yeah. uh, he was just tickled to death to see me. Mm. And uh, he came up behind me, I heard him say, how you doing brother? Well, I didn't know if he'd recognize me, you know. I was sitting there in my car, wondering whether I'd be sitting there in my car. <laughs> he'd come up behind me in his golf cart, and we were just glad to see each other. And I just yeah. met him one time in the yard, so. But wow. I, I said, man, my heart went out to you the other day. I saw you coming out of the restaurant, and it was painful for you. And, uh, okay, he indicated that he goes down to the river every morning to pray. And he also said that he had a daughter in a nursing home. And in fact, his wife was up there visiting her when I was down there. And we just had a good fellowship, good mm -hmm. time talking. He took me in the house and got me refreshments to mm -hmm. drink. And he took me down to the river in his golf cart. Nice. And uh, we just spent a little time together. And when I got ready to leave, I said, sorry if I pray for you. And he took his head off and he appreciated that. Wow. 
Skip, uh, just hearing you talk about all these experiences you've had, being able to minister to others during your cancer treatment, it reminds me of my grandfather when he was going through his cancer treatment. And you were just never thinking about yourself, always thinking about others and how you can impact others and encourage others and seeing it as an opportunity and not like a burden. And thanking God for the opportunity, it just gives me a great perspective and, you know, hoping that uh, if I were to go through something similar that you've been through or that my grandfather went through, that I'd be able to have the same attitude, the same positivity, the same outlook that you've had. Yeah, and I would just like to um, say that we've been hearing a lot from Pastor Adrian about go, go and make disciples, Um, just this idea of um, going in Jesus' name. And as I listen to you share today, it reminds me, so much of um, just what I think we're called to as believers is to know that God won't take us anywhere, that he hasn't already went before us and prepared a way. As much as life isn't always fun, it seems to me that you've taken those opportunities and looked for ways to give God glory in the middle of it. And I worked at the cancer center for a few years and Um, there's a lot of hope that's needed. Um, I've had a lot of one-on-one conversations with people that have had that diagnosis, and they're hard conversations to have. So I'm always grateful when I see how God just uses what I'm going to say that you would just say, well, I'm just an ordinary person, you know, living out my ordinary life. But what makes it extraordinary is the fact that it's not about you. It's about what God wants from you. And as Pastor Adrian has talked about the go, what does that look like for all of us? You take that serious when you see someone and you hunt them down in Shenandoah and pray with them. That is such a beautiful picture of living out the Great Commission. And you wouldn't say that about yourself. Probably you wish I wouldn't say that about you. But the truth of the matter is you are doing what God's calling you to do one day at a time, one person at a time, and trusting him with the hardships, with your health, and he's faithful. He's been so faithful to you, and it doesn't mean it's always been easy and every day's been, you know, flowers and roses, but you're taking that life you've been dealt and giving it to the Lord and just trusting him as you go. And it has taken him 73 years to get me in a position to want to do this. Yeah. Because I never have been, I've always believed in prayer, but I've never, I've had difficulty praying for somebody because I wouldn't know what to say. Mm. But I'm working on it. And it's coming along. Yeah. And I just feel drawn to certain people. Mm -hmm. And when I do, I'm going to talk to them and pray for them if I can. Yeah. And it's been a real blessing and gives me hope. Gives you purpose. Probably gives them hope. Yeah. Gives you purpose. And purpose. Yeah. And God's using you. You know, he, we are never too old to be used by the Lord. Right. And I say to people often, when I'll see them in a hospital room, when it's especially someone from our church that has the hope and knows Jesus, to say, God may be using this event because there's someone here that needs hope. Someone, there's people taking care of you, but there may be something that you can do for them. 
And it seems to me that you have that mentality, and that's encouraging. And I think, hopefully, for those that are listening today that are maybe going through something, um, I hope it helps all of us open our eyes and look around us and see who it is that maybe is in our lives that we need to just ask God for the strength to share hope with them. That is so true. And in fact, since I have finished my treatments at the hospital, there probably hasn't been a week that I haven't been in the cancer center. Mm. I know I'm not a volunteer, Mm -hmm. but just from family, Sarah's sister being treated for cancer, taking Mm. chemo, my sister goes in there once every week or two, not for cancer, but for another, her Mm -hmm. uh, blood blood Mm -hmm. problems. And when you get in there, you run across people you know. Like the last week I was going to my cancer treatment, one day, one Friday, there were five people in there being treated for cancer that I graduated with 50 years ago. Wow. At the same time. Wow. Mm. So there, there's a lot of hope needed in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I sort of go in softly and check things out. I go in preaching or anything but uh, you're looking for opportunities that's what you're doing (laughs) I have that same idea you know as pastor you know we end up at the hospital and visiting our folk and I go in with the mentality that I'm here for a reason but it might not be the only reason I'm here and that can look like distractions when we run into other people but I believe it's God's plan for our life and our day instead of our own plan And I try to keep that mentality because sometimes I go, oh, I don't know if I have time for this. I'm like, well, if the Lord put them here, I probably should have time, right? And so we have to re-look at our lives and our schedules, wherever we're at. Steve came home the other day. This just makes me think of one of those instances that's outside the hospital. He came home the other evening, and he was mowing, had to go for gas, came back and finished the job. And he came in the house and he said, there's a car over by the interstate, a trailer, actually a, a camper. They were trying to fix a tire. And he said, I should have stopped the first time, but I feel like I need to go back. And he went back over there and this gentleman had spent, it was two trips to Harbor Freight and five hours. And in five minutes, he had the job done and had them back on the road because he had power tools. But he felt that pull that he must go back Although he didn't do it the first time, he must go back and make sure that he took care of that family. And we all have those. That family was very thankful. The wife was very thankful that they got off the side of the interstate that night. But, yeah, it's just... One of my prayers is that I'm able to recognize when the Spirit is telling me Mm, to do something that I need to do because that doesn't come naturally either. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we have the mind... We've all been given a mind, but as we become believers, um, Scripture tells us that we have been given the mind of Christ. And when Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, um, he said to them in Matthew 10, I believe it's verse 16, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And I think that's something that we can use in our everyday Christian life. I think that's one Scripture that comes to me very often as I am uh, walking with people and helping people to have the mind of Christ is 
just to always remember to have wisdom in the midst of it. That's right. Well, Skip, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have you. Anything in closing that you would like to share that you haven't mentioned already? Not that we have time for today. <laughs> oh, well, that just means we'll have to have you back sometime. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, God is good, and he uh, speaks to our hearts and yes. leads us, and mm-hmm. we just need to be listening for that yeah. and recognize it for what it is. Yes. And I just want to be a blessing to people, however. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times my prayer will be, Lord, just... Let me be a blessing to somebody today. Mm, that's one. And, and it may not be anything significant, but uh, in his kingdom, mm-hmm. in kingdom perspective, it is. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us, Skip. Well, thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that uh, Skip Fairweather's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.